Back in the day when my kids were younger, we would build sandcastles when we went to the beach. More often than not, our construction projects were elaborate and grandiose. We built towers and courtyards, walls and moats, battlements and dungeons, tunnels and bridges. We would aim to both spread out over distance, but also to build up the taller, the better. Now, of course, if you dabble in building sandcastles, then you must always be mindful of both your greatest resource and your greatest threat. That is the ocean itself. And so we always pay attention to the waves, and we were aware if the tide was rising. And if we saw the waves coming closer and closer to our magnificent complexes, then we would attempt to to mitigate the coming disaster. We would try to dig moats in front and around our citadels with drainage that would go back towards the sea. And we would, we would look to build our walls high, taller and taller in the hopes that we could resist the waves. But of course, as that great prophet Jimi Hendrix once taught us, <laughs> castles made of sand melt into the sea eventually. We would see the signs at first, the waves that that sloshed over our moats and splashed against our walls. And in response, we would use our pails and we would try to empty the moats and we would use the, the wet sand to try to repair the walls. We would hold the line as best we could. And sometimes we could do so for, for a surprisingly long amount of time. But inevitably, and often all at once, the sea would overwhelm our best defenses. Oh, a wave would come that was, that was bigger than the ones that came before. Our walls would topple. Our moats would be filled. The bridges and the tunnels would collapse. And in no time, all signs of our awesome and elaborate fortress would be gone, as if it never existed. Now, we always built our castles with the inevitable in mind. We built them because they were fun, and part of the fun was building as elaborately as possible and then trying to hold off the castle's inevitable demise. The destruction was baked into the construction. Part of what made the construction so enjoyable was actually knowing that the destruction was coming. And so I've always been a bit reluctant to to push the metaphor of sandcastles into other areas of our lives. But maybe if we, we thought of our great projects in this way, with more playfulness, 
with more humility and less hubris, then we'd actually do us some good. Maybe if we used more playfulness and admitted that what we built would inevitably decay, then maybe it would give us a little bit of humility to help to address issues like climate change or address issues like social justice. For indeed, time marches on and things fall apart. The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Even our most elaborate structures and edifices can crumble, do crumble, and inevitably, inevitably they fall apart. I once saw a a video that wondered aloud what would happen to the earth and, and all that we built if all of a sudden humanity simply disappeared. The video's thesis is that in time, almost every sign of us would be gone. Some things would happen almost immediately. Power plants would cease working, and they would collapse, and they would burst into flames, and they would burn for a while, and then the flames would go out. The spaces under our city streets would fill with water and erode, creating rivers where streets used to be. It would only take 200 years for our greatest skyscrapers and bridges to topple. But unfortunately, it would take 65,000 years for the carbon dioxide in our atmosphere to return to pre-industrial levels. The video is a, it's a wondering out loud. It's a what if, right? But it's telling. It's telling that if we were to disappear today in time, no real sign of us would remain outside of the mark we made in geological record. Jesus and his disciples emerge from the temple this morning. Inside, Jesus has been conversing and debating with all sorts and conditions. But now that Jesus and his friends have left the temple, one of them is struck by the magnificence of the building complex that is the temple itself. And indeed, it was absolutely magnificent. Some of those stones are still visible today. In fact, some of them are left one upon another even still. The Wailing Wall in Jerusalem is part of what that structure used to be. These stones are absolutely massive, weighing 50 tons or more at least. One is even 40 feet long and weighs over 300 tons. And the temple itself, which of course is gone, had walls that stretched as high as 175 feet above bedrock. In short, the disciple is not wrong in saying, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. 
This is a completely natural response to what they are seeing. But let's admit, Jesus' response is, is less than natural, right? Jesus essentially says, oh yeah, well guess what? That thing is coming down. Which, even though it's true, strikes me as a great way to shut down a conversation. But some of the disciples are persistent, right? And they're persistent because what Jesus has to say about the destruction of the temple is alarming to them. Because of what the temple represents in the minds of these disciples. The structure represents the center of their faith. God is everywhere, right? But, but to them, God is particularly present in the temple. The demise of the temple is not just the destruction of an impressive building, but perhaps represents the harbinger of the end. And thus, we have this 13th chapter of Mark's gospel, which has often been called the Little Apocalypse. In this chapter, Jesus discusses the end of all things and, and how his disciples are called to live in the meantime. But what Jesus has to say about the temple does not necessarily have to have end-time connotations. Yes, scholars have pointed out what Jesus has to say about the devastation of the temple representing a, a judgment on the religious establishment centered in the temple, based in the temple. And I'm sure that this is true, but it's not exclusively true. In some ways, what Jesus has to say about the demise of the temple is true about everything. All will be thrown down. Time marches on. Things fall apart. The best laid plans of mice and men go awry. And yet God holds it all. In one of my favorite passages from Isaiah, there is this declaration. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. All will wither, all will fade, but God's promise, God's faithfulness, God's love will stand forever. We make sandcastles. But the promise of God's love is a fortress that can never erode, never collapse, and never, ever fail. And with this in mind, then, the call is to live out of this truth and hold on to this truth come what may. There will be things that will threaten to engulf us. Jesus even mentions a few. Jesus talks about the potential of false messiahs and, and figures who might take advantage of our desperation. 
to this day, we need to beware of people like that. Jesus talks about wars and famine and earthquakes, violence and collapse. To this day, these are our problems. All of these are threats. All of them have the potential to overwhelm. And yet the call is to live into our trust of God. To live into our trust of God by being good stewards of all that we have been given. To love one another as Christ loves us. To bear witness and to work for justice and peace, come what may. To bear witness in word and deed to the good news of God's ever-abiding and never-failing love revealed to us in the life of the people of Israel and in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, do not be alarmed. This must take place. The best laid plans of mice and men go awry. But God is God. God's love, God's redemption, God's salvation will never, ever fail, never miss, and indeed never go awry. Amen.